A predictably disappointing Sona from a president running out of ideas. And a country facing headwinds and crises on a prodigious and unprecedented scale. In this video, we sink our teeth into President Cyril Ramaphosa's State of the Nation Address. Spread the fire. Welcome back to the channel, fam. If you're new around here, my name is Dr. Sizwem Bofu-Walsh. And on this channel, SMWX, the Sizwem Bofu-Walsh Experience, we explore South African politics through interviews and analysis. And in this video, we are going to take a look at President Cyril Ramaphosa's State of the Nation Address for 2021. In the preview video that I did on the State of the Nation Address, we analyzed four main themes that President Ramaphosa needed to confront. And lo and behold, his Sona speech had four main themes. So I'm gonna be looking at those four themes, seeing what he said about them, what he needed to say about them, and whether the speech succeeded. So the four themes were the vaccination rollout plan, secondly, the economic relief strategy, thirdly, load shedding and energy, and fourthly, corruption. So I'm going to be looking at those themes and analyzing the speech in light of them. But before I do that, by way of preface, I just want to start by looking at a few background questions. And firstly, I think it's important to note the optics of this speech. Because of course, Sona is not only a speech, it's also a political performance and a performance which has important political implications. And so and on, on one level, on one level, we need to appreciate Sona for its performative as well as its political aspects. So I think what's interesting is contrasting the Sona of 2021 with President Ramaphosa's inaugural speech in 2018. That was a moment of profound joy and hope for many people. I wasn't one of them, but many people felt that we were about to turn a corner as a country. It was the moment that he announced the new dawn, that he announced the Tumamina strategy or ethos. It was a moment where standing ovations punctuated the speech. It was a moment when people were convinced that South Africa was just months away from a radically new trajectory. And when you contrast that moment against this one, as President Ramaphosa stood before an eerily silent parliamentary chamber, as you heard the muted applause, you even heard President Ramaphosa at times saying, hmm, you don't seem to be impressed, joking with his parliamentary caucus. It really brought home just how far um, President Ramaphosa's political star has fallen, but also just what a different situation the country is in. And this speech comes at a time when South Africa is at one of its lowest ebbs in democratic history. From the devastation caused by the COVID pandemic to the economic desolation 
the poverty, the unemployment, the inequality. And President Ramaphosa was almost giving a speech to a nation in mourning, whereas his first Sona was a speech to a nation in jubilation. And so there was something very interesting about how this speech contrasted and compared with the speech that really set up the Ramaphosa presidency. And it seems now that President Ramaphosa is really entering the hardest moment that his presidency has yet seen, where all the political capital he had at the inception of his presidency, all the momentum into which he brought this pre his presidency, all the hopes, the dreams that surrounded this presidency are dissipating at a rate of knots and the president is looking increasingly vulnerable. So I think that background and that backdrop is important, but let's look at some of the substance of the speech as well. So let's start with vaccination. What I suggested in my preview was that the president needed to at least give further detail on the government's vaccination plans. And I'm afraid he didn't succeed at doing anything of the sort in the speech. All he did was reiterate what we already knew from his address last week about the number of vaccines, around 40 million that we've supposedly procured, and, and then just said that 80,000 doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine will be arriving next week and 500,000 in four weeks, but wasn't able to flesh out even the bare bones of a timeline for vaccine rollout strategy, or even to tell us what the pace of the vaccine rollout might be. All we got was the same quite vague set of commitments without actually being able to know at the level of any detail whatever when such a program that has already been promised will even be really begun in earnest. So I'm afraid as far as the vaccination aspect of the speech is concerned, the president did not succeed in inspiring confidence in the nation that this program will roll out without any of the hitches that procurement of PPE, for example, witnessed, or let's not even talk about some of the other service delivery challenges that we've had. So I, I didn't think that part of the speech was particularly convincing. Let's move on to the question of load shedding. Again, here we are in, in the grip of widespread rolling blackouts. The president didn't even apologize for the load shedding that the country has witnessed in 2021. Remember how leaders used to apologize for load shedding? Weren't those heady days when they would say, sorry, we know how much this is affecting your lives? They don't even apologize anymore. Um, they just ignore the tremendous upheaval this is causing to the economy, to livelihoods, to society, and just promise things. And again, President Ramaphosa was full of promises about emergency procurement, about new uh, batches of power coming online through 
the IPP program, a lot of those promises were made in 2020. Um, and it seems to me that there wasn't a great deal in the speech, and I'm afraid you're going to hear this as a recurring theme, there wasn't a great deal in the speech to make one feel that anything different is going to happen this year that couldn't already have happened or that hasn't already happened. Why would this year be any different to last year when the exact same promises were made? Same as 2018, same as 2019. So basically it looks like blackouts are going to be with us for a long time to come and the government is not even going to apologize anymore. Then there's the question of economic relief and then I'll end on corruption. So on economic relief, I think one of the key questions which President Ramaphosa touched on towards the end of the speech was this question around will the COVID-19 grant, the 350 Rand grant, continue and be extended? Now it seems as though government has come to a kind of short-term plan a band-aid solution but one that I think is going to be inadequate which is that the grants will be extended for three months and there's no clarity about what will happen thereafter. Now I think it's good that we aren't in a crisis where suddenly these grants are going to be ripped away from people at a time when it seems like the pandemic is going to last long into 2021 and probably 2022. So I think it's good that at least we've bought these three months, but quite frankly, in the grand scheme, it's going to be devastating. And it looks like government is setting people up to withdraw this much needed, crucial emergency funding for livelihoods to prevent people who are on the brink of poverty from sliding further into real, unprecedented, desperate economic hardship. And I think we have a real crisis brewing as we stare into the face of an economic abyss, a pandemic, and increasing desperation spreading throughout the country. Again, there were promises about funding for small businesses, 1,000 businesses supported by the NYDA, Ford motor car plants that have been built. These are all dots on a massive canvas. And while, you know, I think some of this should obviously be celebrated, you know, these aren't terrible things. We've got to look at the entirety of this economy, the entirety of the problem. And there's really very little to hold on to when you think about the sheer scale of the economic crisis that we face. And, you know, I, I worry that it's gonna make the financial crisis look like a parish tea party when we stand back and we realize how many factories have shut down, how many companies have, have disappeared, how many jobs will have been shed, how many livelihoods will have been destroyed. And it's not as if we were in a great position before and what we have now is promises about small dots here and there when really we need to be able to 
envisage a grand design and grand progress and that remains disturbingly elusive when I look at the economic plans and reports that came out of the State of the Nation today. I'm going to end on this question of corruption because again I think the president totally missed the moment when it comes to corruption. What do we have as citizens? We sit in our homes often because of the lockdowns or in very confined spaces and what are we watching? We're watching the State Capture Commission where day after day, witness after witness, we are subjected to stories of how our entire state has been ransacked and totally disregarded. And the president gives a speech in the context of this commission and the revelations coming from his own party, from people he sits in, in cabinet with, from his big political friends. And we also have this crisis where former President Zuma says he refuses to appear before the State Capture Commission despite being compelled by the Constitutional Court to do so. And President Ramaphosa is either mute of malice or by visitation of God, to quote a British MP. He is unable to address the crisis and rather the crisis unfolds all around him and all he can do is promise that he will set up a task team which will inform a commission which will come back with recommendations in 10 years time quite frankly is what it feels like and so he he is a president unable to grasp and confront the crisis of corruption and the reason and i know this is difficult to hear for people but we really need to start telling the truth the reason is that the dynamics in his party prevent him from tackling corruption in any meaningful way and so i'm afraid this talk of commissions that will report to parliament and and you know panels of experts we we have seen that movie before and unfortunately it is not a happy story it's a tragedy um and nothing is going to come of these these commissions i'm afraid um or i have no reason to believe given the litany of previous attempts that anything meaningful will come so there we have it. That's my take on the substance of the speech. But let me try and focus now on maybe mitigating circumstances, maybe some of the positives that arise from the speech. And as you can see, I mean, I find it difficult, but I think it is important to try and um, try and look at the other side of the coin. I think if there's anything that the Ramaphosa presidency has achieved, it's it's that it hasn't exacerbated any of the crises that South Africa faces. I don't think it's solved any of the crises, but it also isn't actively contributing to the crises. It feels like South Africa is a patient 
that was becoming increasingly and increasingly unwell. And the Ramaphosa administration has suspended the very unwell patient's condition. So it hasn't got worse dramatically, but the patient isn't getting any better either. And I suppose it seems like that's all President Ramaphosa can do is just suspend South Africa. Um, and I guess you can always imagine a worse future. So maybe we have something to be grateful about in terms of the difference between how bad it could be and how bad it is. But sometimes that's all you can, you can take in a constrained political environment. I think the other thing that President Ramaphosa has done well is, and I know this sounds like a very minimal achievement, but again, let's give credit where credit is due. I think he's made some important appointments, especially in the criminal justice sphere. So at the NPA in particular, not only at the head of that institution and in the way that that head of the institution was actually appointed, but also now in the lower levels of the NPA, in different parts of the criminal justice system. Again, it doesn't seem as if people who are actively trying to sabotage the system, which we, we've had before, are in place. And that does matter. That is important. However, again, making appointments is just the bare minimum that a president needs to do. And so I applaud President Ramaphosa for not making counterproductive appointments. But at the same time, one would expect any sane president to make good appointments to institutions. It's just that since we have been so deprived of these very basic things, President Ramaphosa uh, is refreshing in that some of these appointments are, uh, you know, commendable. Outside of that, um, People may argue that President Ramaphosa is constrained. Now, I disagree. He is constrained, but part of the reason he's constrained is because he's part of the ANC. Um, and he was one of the architects of the ANC's current paralysis as a member of the previous top six and as an ANC member since an NEC member since 1990. So I find it hard to accept this notion that he can't move because of his party when he's been one of the senior leaders in the party since the very beginning of democracy. And so the ANC's failures are President Ramaphosa's failures and he must be responsible for them. And President Ramaphosa's failures are the ANC's failures. We can't start picking the slice of the ANC we like and ignore the entire cake because you can't vote for a faction in an election you vote for the entire package. And the entire package South Africa voted for is a paralyzed and tired and exhausted ANC. And that's exactly what we're getting. So thanks so much for watching. Share the channel, like, share, subscribe. We're on the road to 20,000 subscribers. Help take us there. Share this with your friends, with your family, and make sure you come back to SMWX for some of our future content. And check out the other vids, check out our full catalog. It's growing by the day and it's lit. Appreciate your viewing and see you soon.
Ayayi. Ayayi.